0: It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a a sports, sports Rush, rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Three ball, that's Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. gonna 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are!
1: To older than white. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this amateur hour? This art? is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our
0: finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems.
1: Welcome to the alleged show. Y'all ready for this? Thank God it's. <laughs> Yeah, time to put away the work week and head on into a sports weekend. It is a packed sports weekend. A lot of things happening in multiple sports. We've got high school basketball. We've got high school hockey. We've got College basketball, Mastodons tonight and Sunday, Purdue on Sunday, and you've got the Indiana Hoosiers also back in action. So it's a busy weekend, and we're going to be covering it all. Welcome to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump with Adam Lundy, and you're connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at four six eight six two four six eight six two. 46862. 46862. And uh, coming up on the show, we'll talk to the great Greg Rakestraw. Coming up in about uh, 30 minutes from now, of course, we'll get Rake's take on the Indianapolis Colts hiring Shane Steichen as the new head coach. And uh, why have we not heard word about Gus Bradley being officially the defensive coordinator? We've not heard other names, but why hasn't it been announced unless they're trying to wait until they can announce multiple coaching positions But uh, it just seems like that would have been the first order of business for Shane Steichen was to sit down and make sure everything was going to work okay between him and Gus Bradley. I think the Colts hope, as far as Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard, was that Gus Bradley would be the defensive coordinator. We got the report a couple of weeks ago that said uh, four of the candidates the Colts are interviewing all want Gus Bradley to be their defensive coordinator. Is there any animosity with Gus Bradley and the Indianapolis Colts? Is there animosity between Gus Bradley and Shane Steichen? Does he not want to work with maybe other members of the staff that Shane Steichen wants to put into place? I, I don't know, but it does seem to me that by today we would have learned that Gus Bradley is going to be the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. And we haven't heard that. But we'll talk to Greg Reichstraw. We'll get his take on everything uh Everything sports. I mean, we can just throw questions at, at Rake, random questions, and he'll come up with answers. Also, uh, on the way today, it is All-Star Weekend in the NBA. What is the state of the Pacers? Where are they at as the All-Star break is upon us? Seems like it, 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 you know, it's supposed to be kind of the mid midterm, like halfway through. But it's actually, I think it's like over two-thirds of the way through the season there's not that much season left. It's it's like, let's have the All-Star break before we go into the stretch drive. And so we'll talk to Scott Agnes about the Pacers, the big comeback win against the Bulls the other night. Uh, a lot of Pacers in action this weekend, including Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton in the three-point shooting contest. And boy, the slam dunk contest has certainly lost its luster, hasn't it? Adam, you're a guy that probably grew up just drooling over... The slam dunk contest. I mean, that was the big hit of the weekend for a while. And now nobody is in it. There's four no names.
2: That's it. Now, I will not insult my New York Knicks player, Jericho Sims. Okay.
1: Who the hell is Jericho Sims? Big guy out of Texas. Okay. Anyway. I will he say. He only is a household name to you because you're a Knicks fan that's stuck here in Indiana. That's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. There there is four guys that the average fan
2: I mean, we're doesn't
1: even, even know who they are.
2: We're even pulling a guy out of the G League now for the dunk contest. Mac McClung. McClung is a G Leaguer? Yeah, I mean, he's now on a two way contract, but yeah, they brought him in when he was still in that the G League. Yeah, last year. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, it's losing a lot of its luster, mostly because players don't want to be in it and get injured. They don't want to
1: take a risk of getting injured trying to do something outrageous. And, uh, you know, I remember the, the Julius Irving, Michael Jordan days of the Slam Dunk Contest where it was a competition to show that you were among the best in the game, that you could do things other players couldn't do. And now it's like, Don't need to do that. I do it in a game, I guess. Uh, It's just there's no point in even watching this slam dunk competition. I don't care what the guy does. I'll see the highlight of it later if it was something really spectacular. I don't need to watch it. But the three-point shooting contest, it's a pretty good list of players. Is it the best list of potential players? Like if we compiled a list of the best shooters, the truly the best shooters, probably not, but it's pretty close. I mean, most of the bar key guys, other than Steph Curry, obviously, who's injured. Um, but uh, but you've got, you know, most of the, the guys that have really been lighting it up from three are going to be there. So that that could be fun to watch. Now, my pick to win it, is Damian Lillard. I said no one's going to touch Lillard in this. But did Buddy Heald beat Lillard head-to-head
2: when he won? I don't know if he beat him head-to-head. I do know that Buddy Heald has won before. I'll do the research on that one. Uh, But uh, I've got
1: Lillard. Do you have a favorite in this year's three-point shooting contest? It was going to be Buddy or
2: Dame, one of the two. Yeah. So... Same page. Uh,
1: 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. It's a, it's a big NBA weekend, and so Scott Agnes is going to join us from the Fieldhouse Files coming up at about 520 this afternoon. Last night, Purdue Boilermakers in action on the road, and they lose again. Three out of four now, the Boilermakers have dropped. This time at Maryland. Of course, a lot of the social media reaction is all about the officials, and we'll get to that. But really, for me, and I've been bringing this up now for about a week, I think we are seeing evidence that the Purdue Boilermakers are just a tired ball club. There are certain things you see in teams that get physically and mentally run down. And it's just, you know, being at that that perfect state to be able to play at your absolute best, and that's both mentally and physically. I think Purdue had it back in January, I think right now it's missing, and it's very difficult to overcome it when you're dealing with it, and I think we're seeing it. I don't think Zach Eadie is the same player that he was. Yes, teams are defending him differently, but there were a lot of double teams before. And some of those passes getting deflected, yeah, maybe there's a little hit or two on the arm. But what might have happened is when Purdue wasn't tired, Zach Eadie could throw it through an arm, and it was never stolen or never... uh, Turned over. It just seems like right now you're seeing a lot of evidence that Purdue could be a tired team. And I couldn't blame them. They played a lot of minutes. You've got freshmen and a big man. Two types of players that are prone to losing energy because of high minutes and a long season. Uh, you've been playing uh, every three or four days since uh, Christmas. And uh, I, I think... You know, Zach Eady, for instance, 18.7 points per game, 10 rebounds a game over his last three. Those are not Zach Eady numbers. He was putting up over 23 points a game and over 13 rebounds. Now, yes, it's been aggressive defense, but, you know, to say that the officials are all of a sudden calling it differently. No, Matt Painter has been on this for a long time that people were following Zach Eadie. But Zach Eady was still putting up 30 points against a lot of those teams that Matt Painter said were following him. So I think, I think the big guy who's running the court at 32, 33, 34 minutes a game, I think it's wearing on him. The other factor you have to look at is it's not just minutes. It's not just, you know, freshmen and big men, because big men, I think, exert more energy during the course of a game. But it's also the uh the number one ranking i think that produces a little added adrenaline and energy because when they go into buildings they're going to get not only the best of their opponent but they're going to get the best of the fan base that was crazy at northwestern that was crazy at maryland and of course every time purdue gets beat now there's a court storming and uh the pressure of holding on to that number one ranking, having the target on your back, wasn't something I think Purdue was prepared for. I don't think they went into this season thinking, we're going to be the team that everybody is hunting. They, they went into the season with the attitude that they were the hunter. And then all of a sudden, they hunted everybody that they got on their schedule And they became number one. And then they lost it and became number one again. And it might have been a relief that they lost the number one ranking because they played well and earned the number one ranking back. But when you look at Edie and the drop of his numbers, you see it in rebounding. You see it in turnovers. You see it in field goal percentage. Zach Edie also is down to 58% at the foul line. Over his last three games, just 19 of 33. On the season, he's a 75% free throw shooter, but he's only 58% over the last three games. Fletcher Lawyer, one of the freshmen. Talk about the freshman wall. A lot of times you get 25, 26 games deep into the season, and all of a sudden freshmen are playing a lot more basketball than they've ever played before. Fletcher Lawyer, over his last three games, Nine, three of 19 from three-point land. That is 16%. He's a better shooter than that. And you kind of expect that if a team is a little worn down, you see it at the three-point line, you see it at the foul line. He's hitting 35% of the season, but then has this three-game stretch where he's just three for 19. And Lawyer has played... Over 30 minutes, nine of the last 12 games. And a number of those, I think five of them, he's played 34 minutes or more. Braden Smith, he's played over 34 minutes, five straight games. They're burning him hard. Now he's in great shape. But is that what's leading to the nine turnovers over the last three games? He had nine turnovers in the previous six games. He's had nine in the last three. Uh, also, he's made more than one three-point shot in just one of his last eight games. He did that in three of the previous five games before this stretch. Here's a number for you. Purdue overall, last two games, just seven of 35 from three. They have to hit threes to be effective. They've got to make teams pay for the double team on Zach Eadie they 're not they're not hitting the perimeter shot just 20 percent 7 of 35 over the last two games and they're both losses to Northwestern and Maryland now I know one of the things we're hearing it's the officials the darn big Ten officials are just crap that's what we're hearing right it's all over social media everybody's blaming officials but here's the uh, kind of the misnomer is a lot of the people blaming officials are saying, The Big Ten officials are crap. What you have to realize, it used to be that every conference had their own officials. And I said this earlier this week, that every conference had a cluster of 15, 16, maybe as many as 20 officials that primarily worked in that conference. They were regional guys, didn't have to travel far. Well, that has changed we have new schedulers in place. Now, Terry Weimer, longtime official, Final Four official. He's worked championship games. He's retired from officiating. He's become a scheduler. He's coordinating all of the Big Ten scheduling of officials. And I think what they've brought to the table with new schedulers is a new philosophy. Let's not have the same guys just continue to work the same teams in the same conference. And so you can't call it Big Ten refs anymore. It's not. It's college basketball refs. Last night, for instance, in the Purdue-Maryland game, which a lot of people were unhappy with the way the game was officiated, according to Ken Palm and the officials' rankings, that game had three of the top seven officials in college basketball including Roger Ayers. Now, everybody knows that Roger Ayers is not only one of the highest scoring and ranking officials, he also works a pretty aggressive schedule. Roger Ayers will probably end the season doing more games than any other college referee. It's been that way for a number of years. And to do that, he has to go great distances between games. And much like you have a Purdue team that might be showing some signs of fatigue, you might have officials that show signs of fatigue. I don't know if this schedule is working or hurting because you're now flying officials from West Coast to the Midwest, sometimes three-fourths of the way across the country, to get from a game one day to the next. In fact, just looking at Roger Ayer's schedule, Get this. Okay, so Thursday night, he did the Purdue-Maryland game in College Park, Maryland. On Wednesday, he was in Milwaukee doing the Marquette-Xavier game. The night before that, he was in Providence, Rhode Island doing Creighton at Providence. And on Monday, the night before that, he was in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, and on Sunday, he did the Purdue Northwestern game as well. So you had Roger Ayers going from, and this goes back to the game with Purdue Northwestern last Sunday, going from Evanston to Charleston, South Carolina to Providence to Milwaukee to College Park, Maryland. It's not just working games every day that wears down the officials. But it's the fact they've got to get on flights early in the morning. I was talking to one of the, the uh, Big Ten officials, had a chance to talk to him when I was in Cancun. Because we arrived at the same time and we were waiting for their shuttle to take us to the airport or take us to the hotel for the Cancun challenge. And I, I was actually kidding about this type of schedule. And I said, sometimes I don't know how you guys get from one site to the next. For instance, earlier this year, John Higgins worked a game at Stanford on a Saturday night, and on Sunday afternoon, he's working a Purdue game. It's not an easy place to get from Stanford to Purdue, especially when, if you fly commercial, the closest you can get in an airport is to fly into Indy and then still have, uh, what is that, 50, 55 minutes, an hour to go uh To go to West Lafayette. So that's a heck of a travel. That's red-eye stuff. That means I don't get any sleep, and I'm expected to be sharp and at my best to referee a game the next day. But uh, these official schedules, some of them are just crazy, and it's the way they're being scheduled right now. And these officials are not just, quote, Big Ten refs. Paul Zeltz, who was one of the three officials last night, he's number seven on the uh, rankings He primarily does Big Ten games, but he's shown up doing Pac-12 games. He's done a couple of uh, Southeast Conference games. And so uh, it's not that he just does Big Ten anymore. Most of the guys that used to do Big Ten, what they did was they'd do a Big Ten game, like let's say on a Wednesday. On a Thursday, they might show up doing a Horizon League game. Then on Friday, they might end up doing a game in the MAC. On Saturday, they might end up back on a Horizon League game. And on Sunday, they might end up back on the Big Ten. But they would route. So they never had very far to go. Now they do. But, uh, you know, we've had two days in a row where officiating has been one of the big subjects involving Indiana and Purdue. 46862, your thoughts. 46862. Let's go ahead and get caught up. What's happening in the world of sports on this Friday? It is today's top headlines.
2: All right. Well, free agent quarterback Derek Carr is meeting with the New York Jets this weekend. According to a person familiar with the situation, the Jets are looking for a veteran quarterback to lead their offense after Zach Wilson struggled after being the number two overall pick. Carr is now his potential replacement in New York no interest in
1: matt ryan in new york please somebody (laughs) take him off our hands
2: some baseball news manny machado says he plans to exercise the opt-out clause in his contract with the san diego padres after this season machado signed a 10-year 300 million dollar deal with the padres in 2019 a deal which gives him the right to terminate the agreement after this season and become a free agent this has to be a big
1: blow to aj preller and the san diego padres because the whole thing that they were doing was building around machado And Tatis. Now, of course, we know what happened with Tatis and the uh, performance-enhancing substance. Tatis is back in camp, but I think they were building long-term, believing their foundation was signed and committed. Tatis on that 14-year deal, and you've got Machado for 10, and all of a sudden Machado, and he's not making any commitment. In fact, when they interviewed him today and asked questions about it, one thing he never said was, I love it here, and I hope it works out that I can stay.
2: No, what he did say is there's a lot of money out there. Yeah, basically, yeah. He, he, what he said was, ching, 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 One more for you. Tiger Woods bogeyed three of his final four holes to finish over one and one shot outside the cut line at the PGA Tour's Genesis Invitational at Riviera. The current projected cut line is even par, but that could change. Think anybody handed him
1: any kind of uh, novelty item when he finished his round today? Not going there. Uh, Yeah, we're done. I I don't... I mean, I think people are in too much of an uproar about that. That's guys being guys. And maybe it's not always politically correct, but it wasn't intended for a national audience. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. It is... Homecoming weekend for Purdue-Fort Wayne. Heartbreaker last night for men's volleyball. They played tough against nationally ranked Ohio State before falling in four sets. They've got Ball State coming to Arnie Ball Court at the Gate Center on Saturday night. Uh, Also last night, actually late afternoon into the evening, was women's basketball against Wright State. And I had a chance to get there to see the second half And, of course, the first half was crazy. Both teams were just lighting it up from three. And for the game, Wright State ended up hitting 16 of 28 threes. And Purdue-Fort Wayne, 10 of 17. So both teams stayed hot from three. And the Mastodons get a 95-82 to win over Wright State. For the Mastodons, they now have eight conference victories. And uh, that matches the total over the five previous years before Maria Marcasano took over. And so this is a program that's clearly on the rise. You've got two really good recruits coming in. Um, and so uh, it's going to be a, a real upgrade uh, in talent. And as the talent continues to get better, it's I mean, the sky is the limit for this basketball team under coach Maria Marcasano. And uh, it was a it was a fun atmosphere at the Gates Center last night with women's basketball, followed by the men's volleyball. Tonight, the men are at the Coliseum against the team that gave them a thumping earlier this year, Northern Kentucky. Of course, Northern Kentucky was also the team that knocked them out of the tournament last year, which is why so many of these guys are using their extra covid year to return. Because they felt like they fell short and missed out on an opportunity and they wanted a second crack at it. And so all season, I think this team's been overly focused on the tournament and not really as focused as they should be on the individual games that you have throughout the season. As a result, they're probably not in the position they want to be in as far as seating. Uh, You're now into the stretch run, just four games left on the regular season schedule. They can make up some ground. They can get up to sixth in the uh, standings, and I think six is not a bad spot because you'll open up the tournament at home. You won't get the bye, but you'll open at home against the last place team in the Horizon League. You get that win, and then when you move on, you don't play the number one seed. You play the number three seed. So I think number six is fine, and uh, we'll see where the Mastodons end up. Number nine right now, but they've got... You know, they got two teams tied right now in eighth place, one team half game up in seventh. Uh, There's a lot of swinging that's going to be done over these last four games, and it starts with Mastodons being ready to play against Northern Kentucky tonight. Really good basketball team. I found this interesting. Northern Kentucky, and, and this is one of those that if it happens to you, you're probably calling the Horizon League office. Northern Kentucky is finishing the season seven of their last eight games on the road. Almost impossible to do it with the way the schedule works out. You play everybody home and away, but seven of the last eight are on the road. The only home game in that stretch was a home game against IUPUI. So uh, they're, they're on the road for the rest of the season. This weekend against the Mastodons in Cleveland State, and then next weekend, They're on the road again. I believe they go up and take on Oakland and Detroit Mercy. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Questions, comments, or suggestions. Uh, A couple of texts came in. What do we got, Adam?
2: Yeah, we got people already calling for uh, Matt Painter's seat. They said uh, Matt Painter just isn't a good coach. Purdue has been exposed. They
1: They go to the number one team in the country. They get knocked off the number one spot, and it's fire the coach. You're not number one in the country. That's not good enough for us. We have expectations here at Purdue. We expect to be the number one team in the country. Where did they lose? Indiana, where it's always tough to win big games at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. At Northwestern, where the Wildcats are currently the second-place team in the Big Ten. And at Maryland, where no one in the Big Ten has beaten the Maryland Terrapins. Yes, they've not been good on the road, But they're the best team at home in the entire Big Ten. Nobody else is perfect at home in the Big Ten except Maryland. So you can't have shame in losing those games. Part of it is the schedule. Kind of caught up with you at a time that you might have been vulnerable, needing some rest. But here's the key to the Purdue Boilermakers moving forward. They've got Ohio State. Right now, Ohio State really struggling. They've got Ohio State on Sunday. Then they do not play again until they have Indiana at Mackey Arena on Saturday. That's the longest stretch during the Big Ten season that Purdue will have with days off. And it's coming at the perfect time for the Boilermakers. Anything else come in on the text line?
2: Uh, Someone else just said that the press is what's killing the Boilers.
1: Yeah, the pressure defense. and, uh, And again... That's one of those things where it requires great mental toughness. It, in, it involves executing, and sometimes when you get a little tired, and I think the freshmen are a little tired. Now you you know it's not like you're going to see him and say, oh look at that poor guy, it looks like he's about to doze off. You know it's not that kind of tired, but it's just you know you're you're running at like 98 percent or 97 percent, and uh, and I just I just feel like some of the mistakes we're seeing, the high turnover numbers that Purdue had for three straight games, yes. Some of that because of pressure defense. But Purdue earlier in the season was tough enough to overcome some of those things. They're not overcoming them right now. And I feel like some of that is just being worn down. And uh, and I think this rest is going to be huge for the Purdue Boilermakers, getting some time off before they play Indiana. And it's an advantage, too, to the Boilermakers that Indiana has to play a midweek game at Michigan State prior to going to Mackey Arena to take on the Boilermakers 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We'll take a break. We've got Greg Rakestraw joining us on the other side. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Mastodon women will finish up their home slate. Part of homecoming weekend tomorrow afternoon out at the Gates Center. 95 points scored by the Lady Mastodons last night. Really impressive win over Wright State. Now it's a very tough challenge against Northern Kentucky who, by the way, had one just slip away against 24-3 and three Cleveland State last night. Northern Kentucky had a lead by one final seconds, and uh, Cleveland State ended up getting to the bucket, getting a couple of free throws, and a 93% free throw shooter buried both of them to give Cleveland State the one-point win. A lot of excitement in the Horizon League. Check it out tonight. Mastodon's take on Northern Kentucky at the Coliseum, 7 o'clock tip. Now we got to get to our guest line. And it is our buddy, Greg Rakestraw from ISC Sports Network, from the Colts Radio Network. Uh, he is joining us right now on our guest line. Greg, how are you this afternoon?
0: I'm good, my friend. Yourself?
1: Uh, doing really well. Uh, ready for a game tonight. Uh, I, I didn't check IUPUI schedule. They got any uh, home games this week?
0: We are on the road, and then we are at home for the last two, so... We play Detroit Mercy on Sunday, and because of the weirdness of 11 in the league and because we're the one without a travel partner with UIC leaving, we have some odd scheduling quirks, like going to Oakland on Wednesday and then playing Detroit Mercy on Sunday. <laughs> so hopefully that hopefully that gets rectified next year. Then we are home for the conventional Thursday, Saturday, uh, Youngstown State and Robert Morris, the final two opponents and uh, there is a chance that Youngstown State could clinch their first conference championship and at the, at the Division One level in our building next Saturday.
1: The team's playing really well. They had a huge win against Milwaukee uh, last night, uh, won by about 30 points. I think it ended up being maybe 29 was the final, but that was a huge game for Youngstown State last night over the Milwaukee Panthers. All right, let's talk about all the excitement that's happening down there in the capital city. And it started with Shane Steichen being announced and introduced as the next Colts head coach. How do you feel about the Colts selection of Shane Steichen?
0: thought he was the best possible candidate. Um, And again, does every hot young offense coordinator turn into a great NFL head coach? No, they don't. Um, But it seems like the most educated guess, and I don't mean that in a negative connotation, he'd he'd be the guy I would hedge my bets, on. would be him. Um, You look at who he has worked with. The variety of quarterbacks in his young career, Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts comes to mind. The success the Philadelphia Eagles had offensively under his watch, you know, because he worked for Nick Sirian and obviously Nick was here for Frank Reich. Um, it's, it's, it's a similar setup, obviously, to what, what they have done here. Said a lot of the right things in the press conference. But to me, the most important part of the hiring of Shane Steichen is that it is part and parcel of. You have to bring in a young quarterback, which I think the Colts are obviously going to do. I also think the Colts will not be shy about potentially moving to one or two, depending on how the dominoes fall, to get the guy that they want. So all in all, even though he is an unproven head coach of the National Football League, I think the Colts made the smart decision.
1: Greg, we were led to believe when it was down to six or at the time we thought maybe seven candidates that four of them wanted Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. I did the math and assumed that Shane Steichen was probably one of those four. And I thought if he gets hired, pretty much a slam dunk, Gus Bradley's going to be the defensive coordinator. And it was an odd moment at the press conference when they actually asked the question directly of Coach Steichen. And he didn't necessarily commit. Gus Bradley was in the room. Here we are Friday, three days later. We still don't have a formal announcement. What's going on with the defensive coordinator position?
0: That's a good question. Uh, and I'm not sure I've, I've got a, a great answer for you at this point. Again, I think it is likely going to be Gus. But I also think that you need to give Stike in the time to be able to put together the staff that he wants you know, the Combine is still two weeks away at this point. They need to have all of those positions kind of covered and finalized by the time you get to there, so everybody is on the same page as to the types of players you're looking for. It's also a defense where I don't think there is going to be a tremendous amount of change. I think most of those pieces are going to be back. Perhaps the only question is going to be, do you bring back Stefan Gilmore for a second year? I thought it was very good. But you know, does he want to be here for for a second year? The only other question would be then too, if you are going to have to move up to get the quarterback you want, do you have to include a current player or two? And if you do, well, that means maybe DeForest Buckner is moved. Um, there are other players that, that could be moved as part of that as well. If you just have to think about draft capital, then so be it. You're going to have your guys largely uh, that uh, they're going to be back from from a year ago. So um it'd be nice if if that decision had been made already but i also understand uh, a new head coach wanting to go through the process to make sure he's got the guy he wants from a defensive coordinator position
1: one thing we learned is that the panthers are taking brian decker away from the colts and i know we were introduced to brian decker on a the behind the scenes videos that were put out before the draft i believe that was last year and uh It seemed like he played a pretty important role, that there was a lot of trust and faith put in him within the Colts organization. How big of a loss is that?
0: I'm not trying to minimize the job that he did, but uh, my, my level of concern when people move on, A, players, B, head coach, C, coordinators, D, position coaches, and then you get to front office personnel slash scouts. Mm-hmm. I really do believe, and this is a cliche for a reason, not about the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. The, 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 the guy that writes the X's and O's can make a difference to a point, but it is really about the players. So I think all things being considered, they would like to have him stick around, but at the end of the day, the general manager and the scouts are doing their job. That position will take care of itself.
1: Jim Irsay, anytime time you put him in front of a microphone, it's always entertaining and sometimes overly informative. We had a little slip about that Alabama kid. Pretty special, isn't he? And uh, what did you take of that? Is, is that a, a true slip of the tongue for Jim Irsay?
0: Uh, m- maybe, maybe not. But I, I, I think it's not a done deal because Lord knows we will you know, break this down 39 ways till Sunday between now and, and the last weekend in April. But I, I, think right now it's, it's pretty agreed upon conclusion that Bryce Young can be the number one pick in the draft or is the best quarterback in the draft. Now there seemingly are three guys that are thought to be upper first round picks and maybe the kid from Florida and Richardson is joining that list, but it seems pretty clear cut. Young one, Stroud two, Levis three, you know, the, the, again, the kid from Florida coming in at number four. Um, I, I, I do think the Colts, if they want young, they've got to get to one. Because they're not going to trade with two, that being Houston. I honestly could see a scenario where Chicago does a deal either with Houston or Indianapolis. And if for some reason Chicago does a deal with Houston, Houston feels they have to get to one to get their guy, Chicago gets to two. I could see Chicago turning right around and doing a deal with Indy for the Colts to get to the number two position. I really see. Yeah. I think that's a, a plausible scenario there. So, you know, multiple quarterbacks of interest probably for the Colts. If they want to get to Young, they had better figure out a way to get to the number one spot and bypass Houston because I think there's any way he's getting past the one or two spot. And the Colts, you know, need to act quickly because if not, Houston might take their spot at the number one position.
1: You talked about the uh, interest in Richardson and, and the fact that he may just move up into that discussion among the top four. It used to be three and then the rest. Now we might have four quarterbacks that are talked about high in that first round. And, of course, the NFL is a great copycat league. We just saw the success Jalen Hurts has. And I wonder, is that what has moved Richardson? What, what do you see in Richardson that's making him move up the draft boards?
0: Uh, his athleticism is off the charts. I mean, he he is 6'40 or 6'40, 6'4, 235, and tremendous athlete. The downside is is that the number of games he has played is awfully reminiscent of Mitchell Trubisky, and that should send shivers down your spine <laughs> in terms of a potential you know Colts pick at the, at the quarterback position, where obviously Young and Stroud, and then to a lesser degree Levis, are all you know somewhat more. You know, kind of finalized products going in, in the National Football League. But as there is much more of an emphasis placed on athleticism, and frankly, the schemes in the National Football League take on more of a college-like feel, there is a thought that a kid that played fewer games at Florida than the other three guys we're talking about could make more of an immediate impact. So it's his athleticism one. And the trend, and it's not trying to be a back ended compliment, but seemingly playing a simplified or more option, and not old-school option, but RPO, option mm-hmm. type of football, probably is what is, is is forwarding the Richardson kid further up the draft charts.
1: With the Colts moving forward, it's hard to separate what are reports and what are rumors, because they both spread regardless of their, their facts, the facts that are or they're based on. And you've got... This Michael Pittman story and, and about him maybe being uh trade bait with the Colts, part with Michael Pittman. Shane Steichen called him out by name as being kind of one of the, the players he's most impressed with with this roster. And I find it interesting, too, how they asked other coaches their take on the Colts roster. But there's no way Michael Pittman's not a Colt next year, is there?
0: There is a possibility. And, again, it is. I think it all comes down to – And it all comes down to what, if the Colts feel they have to move up to get their guy at quarterback, what do the Bears want? In other words, are they just wanting draft capital, or do they want current pieces? And if you're the Colts, you look at anybody that is on the last year of their deal as a guy you would think about. So Pittman's deal expires. Jonathan Taylor's deal Expires because they're both second year, they're both second round guys, so they're four year contracts. DeForest Buckner, his deal expires. He was traded for in 2020. Basically, he was the first round pick. So let's put that in perspective in the 2020 draft, the COVID draft. The Colts got DeForest Buckner, Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman Jr. in the top 44 picks. Not bad, uh, you know, but by by Chris Ballard and company. Um, Again, if they want draft capital, then so be it, and he's got much more of a chance of being here. I could see a scenario where if the Colts can't come to a long-term deal with Pittman, if he stays this year, they could potentially franchise tag him. But they also may want to use that franchise tag on Jonathan Taylor if they can't come to a long-term agreement. So, you know, there's not a lot of big names in this Colts for agency class. Bobby O'Carrike, EJ Speed come to mind. But there's a whole lot of names from a free agent standpoint going into 2024. Which is why, again, there might be some player movement af- af- afoot, knowing you probably can't afford all of Pittman, Taylor, Buckner going forward.
1: With the uh, Jaguars on the road turning uh, our attention to the girls' semi-state, I see that Southport does have a strong indie area flavor. Where are you going to find yourself tomorrow?
0: Not at a semi-state, and here's the reason why. I'm part of the Wrestling State Finals coverage tomorrow night ah. on Valley Sports Indiana and the Champions Network. I'm going to pick up the Marion University men's basketball game that we do on ISC tomorrow afternoon at 3. But we are producing the Southport site. We are also producing the Frankfurt site. And again, the Southport site was a last-minute change. Greencastle was slated to host. However, um, their girls' team made it. Uh, to the, two, to the 2A semi state. And the IHSA has said, hey, you know, you, you can host a regional on your home floor. You're not going to be able to host a semi state on your home floor. Huh. So Greencastle was given the option of hosting, but, but sending their team elsewhere. They said, hey, we can't do both. And so Greencastle gave back the host site in Southport at the uh, last minute, became the host for again, what was a very indiecentric centric 4A southern semi state.
1: Sounds like a uh, great weekend. It's an exciting weekend with so many uh, sports, the wrestling, the basketball. We've got our uh, local championship high school hockey coming up tomorrow. It should be a fun weekend, and the boys' schedule, of course, winding down. Greg, always appreciates jumping on. Have a terrific weekend, and enjoy those wrestling finals. Got it, buddy. We'll talk soon. Yep, that's Greg Reichstraw joining us here on the guest line. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. If you do have anything... That you'd like to add to the show, go ahead and text it to us at 46862. I was trying to follow. Did Greg actually say DeForest Buckner was a Colts draft pick? I thought he said something about it. Because DeForest Buckner was picked up by trade. Uh, It was one of the rare times where the Colts went out and spent money on a guy. Got him from San Francisco As he was originally a 49ers draft pick, but because of uh, a couple of other guys who outshined DeForest Buckner on that line, he became expendable. He was not a Colts draft pick. He was like a number, what was he, a number four or five pick by the
2: 49ers? Yeah, he was drafted seventh overall 2016 by the 49ers. Yeah, uh, because I thought he said something about
1: guys coming up on the end of their deals, and I think DeForest Buckner is actually a guy that... uh, that may be on the end of his deal, but that was a deal that the Colts made with DeForest Buckner when they traded for him back in, what was it, 2019 when they traded for DeForest Buckner? 2020,
2: the Niners traded Buckner to the Colts in exchange for their first round pick in the 2020 draft. There you go. 46862,
1: Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Our number two comes up. Scott Agnes will join us coming up at about 520 to talk NBA All-Star Weekend and, of course, the Pacers. Also, uh... Adam and I, we have to do our mock draft. We're gonna we're gonna have our own all-star teams. I don't know if we can do this fantasy style, but we're somehow going to draft our teams for the NBA All-Star Game. We've got that all coming up before six o'clock. Stick with us. It's the sports rush on thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM.